Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Thrive. Come on, can we just give it up for everyone who got baptized this morning? Come on. What a day. This this is round two for us this morning, and I'm just so amazed at what God's doing here at Thrive. We're passing out hundreds of backpacks, baptizing uh, people, just... I love my church so much. I really do. I love what God's doing here at Thrive. And hey, if you're watching online uh, or you're here for the first time this Sunday, can we give it up for them as well? Come on. Thank you guys for joining us. I know we got some family members in the house, some friends who came from people who got baptized. And uh, just what an incredible Sunday. I I shared this first service. I don't want to be too long. Uh, I told first service that uh, normally they get the worst of me because it's like the trial run, you know. And so 1030 is a little better. And also I haven't preached in like seven weeks. So like, good luck. I, I came in hot and I was rambling. So I'm gonna I'm tighten up this one. But um, I told this to first service and I truly believe this, that uh, the day our church stops baptizing people is the day we start dying. I really believe that because only Jesus can stir someone up and win someone's heart over and heal someone's life to where they would make a public confession of following him for the rest of their life like that. That's not a religious act. That's not why we do that here. We baptize people. We do baptism. I've got baptized. Some of y'all got baptized. A lot of you probably got baptized because what we are saying is Jesus I know you love me and I love you too. And I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. And the minute we stop baptizing people because there's no one here getting saved, no one here giving their life to Jesus, no one here, uh, we're not inviting people, we're not reaching our city. That's the minute, family, that our church starts declining and dying. And so I just, as I was, I was in the corner a little bit a while ago and then this morning, I just tears in my eyes because you're seeing Young kids, come on now, young kids, 10, 11, 12 years old, saying yes to Jesus. Some of y'all older folks are like, yes, that's going to help you so much. It's going to save you so much trouble and heartache. Come on now. Because I got into some stuff, and now you don't have to get into the stuff I got into. And then this morning, uh, I think we had a couple, uh, a little bit of older people this morning. Our our last person that got baptized at the 9 a.m. was an older gentleman, gray hair. Uh, he, he, we, we needed to help him get in the, the tank and uh, probably late 60s, 70s. I'm not trying to age him, but he was a little older. And to think that God uses this church not to reach young people, but older people as well. And it doesn't matter how young or it doesn't matter how old you are. God's not done with you yet. Come on. That's just good news to someone in the room today that God is not done with you yet. And I am... Uh, just privileged to be the pastor of this house. I was just thanking God in the corner that I got, that I, that I have a church family and I, I have the privilege of leading a place like this who comes out on like 105 degree weather sun Saturday. That was, the, that was the weather on backpacks. It was horrible. It's okay, we got them donuts. So we, <laughs> we had plenty of donuts and cold water. <laughs> And they just came out to serve our city. A thousand plus backpacks hounded out on a Saturday. 
incredible. And then to baptize people. And then this week we had kids camp, over 150 kids signed up. Kids saying yes to Jesus, getting saved, asking the Holy Spirit to come to their life this week here in this building. And so God is moving here at this incredible church. I love it, I love it. And so, hey, we're gonna jump in. So excited to preach again, so excited to be back behind this pulpit and to share uh, what I feel is a message that I really believe is, is gonna help someone today. And I'm excited to launch a new series. And so we're gonna be launching this series called It's Not an Accident. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not an accident. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you came this morning, that you got a plan on your life. It's not an accident that God made in and out come to Lathrop. Come on, thank you, Jesus. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. And, and I believe that. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through for the next 12 weeks. So I don't know why, but I like long series. So you all just going to have to bear with me. Um, for the next 12 weeks, we are going to walk through the book of Philippians. And in the last about seven, eight weeks we've done this series called Your Story Matters and we've been having different individuals share their stories and so what we're gonna do moving forward for the next about two and a half, three months is we're gonna do something a little different. Um, that was very in nature evangelistic. It was very conversation. Uh, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Like last week, Pastor Juan did an incredible job. I had way too much fun on stage with him. Like that was a riot. So if you missed it, you got to check it out. Go to the podcast, go to the YouTube channel. It was a lot of fun. And so what we're going to do is it, this one's going to be more teaching. We're going to walk through systematically the book of Philippians. We're going to walk through what Paul wrote to this church in Philippi. And, and I'm excited to, to go through it each and every week to share and to teach and to preach. We're going to have a couple guest speakers in the series as well, which I'm very excited. And I believe that it's going to be a real catalytic and pivotal series for our church and for this house. I really do. I believe God does something special each and every series. They're like chapters. And so I'm excited to launch this new one today. And before I jump into it, I, I want to just share a little bit of the why. Why this series? Why did we choose this? Why the book of Philippians, if that's okay? Because I think it's important to understand the context of why we go into the things we go through. Is that cool? You guys good? Awesome. And so for me, I got three reasons why I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to this series. And so the way we actually plan series here at Thrive in a lot of ways is, is in the beginning of the year, I go on a, I go on a little trip um, where I just go away for about three to four days and I just, I just go to talk to God. And I ask him, what do you want to say to your people? And for me, that's really important because I don't ever want to preach because I feel you need something. I want to speak on something that I feel the Holy Spirit wants to share to you. For the people that here thrive and your partners and your, your disciples and you're following Jesus, that's really important. For even newer people, I believe that there's a reason why maybe for the first time you didn't come in March, but you came in, you came in August. You came in July, August time. Because I believe God int intricately designed this series with you in mind. I believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit doesn't work in coincidences. I know, it's been, it's been eight weeks, y'all. Pray for me coincidences. Is that how you say it? Oh, good. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. I believe he sets up divine appointments. He sets things up. I believe he really does, right? That's the whole idea of the series. It's not an accident. There's a plan. And in the book of Philippians, we find that all throughout it, it's a powerful book where Paul shares with his church. He writes this letter and he begins to describe the plan of God, the purpose of God, 
the joy of God, even in the midst of pain and suffering and trials. And so number one, I feel like this book is a prophetic message to our people, okay? And let me explain why. So uh, two years ago, right, COVID hit. We just moved into our new house. Um, it was crazy. We got in on like March 8th or 9th. We got in like on a Thursday, Friday. We had a bunch of guys here at the church help move us in. Thank you, Jesus. Like they just like moved up my washer, like two of them. Just like, I live all upstairs. God bought us like a beautiful condo, right? And literally the Lord, like beautiful condo in River Islands, okay? And so um, we, we, we move in. And these guys, like, just, like, manhandled the dryer. They just, like, I was, like, red. I had, like, the ropes and everything. You know what I'm talking about? I had the dollies. I had the ropes. And they're, like, Pastor Chris, we don't need this. And they just, like, squatted and picked it up. And I was, like, all right, go for it, bro. And it still works today, thank God. So we're good. And um, moved us in on the 9th of March. And then that Monday, or that Friday, or that Monday, uh, Governor Newsom announces that we're locked down, right? I know. <laughs> so, so we were locked down, right? And it was a, it was a crazy season. Right, COVID hits, and COVID, and COVID was wild. COVID was absolutely wild. And so most of us were, were, were in our homes. Uh, most of us were stuck in our homes. Most of us were having to be in a place where we were locked down. Um, and for me, it was a little different in that season. My, I, and I've shared this on the stage before. My, my brother passed three weeks into COVID. And so my little brother, actually, uh, he overdosed on a, a, a drug overdose, and he passed away. And so uh, really a season of brokenness for me. And we're locked down and everything's different, right? The Costco lines, like it takes three hours to get in. You have to get there like at 7 a.m. And right, I talked, to, I, talked, I was joking about it a couple weeks ago. Like there's no toilet paper anywhere. Anybody remember like that? That was crazy. And, and all the craziness of COVID and we're doing online church and, and people are working from home and so much chaos, so much uh, dysfunction. So much uncertainty. And the thing about crisis, and I've shared this on stage before. This isn't new. The thing about crisis is that crisis doesn't change you. But crisis most of the time reveals what's actually on the inside of you. And so what COVID did is COVID brought out the good, the bad, and the ugly. And for the last two years, right, we have, we have gone through some things as a society in America and personally in your families. Like there's been political turmoil and there's been things that have been taking place. And so after my brother passed, I was going through a season, a really hard season. And um, luckily Jesus was there the whole way. Thank God. And for me, um, what, I, what I began to do is I, I heard of a couple at our church. They're an amazing couple. They're pastors on staff and, and they live in River Islands as well. And I don't know about you, but if you would take walks during COVID, right? Because you were stuck at home all day. Anybody take walks? Anybody like just walk around, right? It, the sun would go down. And then the fires came and we had to go back inside. Anybody remember? Like it was crazy. And so a couple was like, hey, we're gonna do prayer walks. And I've done prayer walks before. I'm not, that's not something new to me. But they're like, hey, we're gonna do prayer walks in the morning. You should join us. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What time do you go? And they were like 6 a.m. And I was like, I'm not going. I tell people I'm not a pastor till after 11. You know what I'm saying? Like I just... You know, if you try to call me before 11 o'clock, I don't know if you're going to get the best me. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, uh, but, but I did. I started going on prayer walks on my own time. And as I was going on prayer walks, I felt like the Lord tell me to read the book of Philippians and pray the book of Philippians over homes as I was walking through Lathrop. So I'd go to River Islands. I'd go to Mosdale area. Sometimes I would drive because it would be hot. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and I, would, I would go on these walks. Or I would drive around. I would pray, and I would declare the book of Philippians over our city. 
Now, this is two years ago. I did not know I was gonna be a lead pastor. But what God began to do is stir my heart up for the people of this city. And so I would, I would pray the book of Philippians. I would pray scriptures in the book of Philippians over homes. I wasn't like going up to homes and like laying hands. Don't get me wrong. Like I wasn't trying to get arrested, okay? Everyone has a ring nowadays. <laughs> I wasn't trying to make it on TikTok or nothing. But I would just, just put my hand out or I would be walking to homes and Jesus, I pray that their love may, your love may abound in their life. Jesus, I pray that you would finish what you started. Jesus, I pray that, uh, you know, just, just different passages, right? The peace of God that surpasses understanding. All these verses in Philippians. And, and, and as I began to do that, God began to tell me, I believe that the book of Philippians is gonna be a word for our church and a word for the people of our region in Lathrop, the city, a prophetic message. And I didn't know this, that one day I would become lead pastor and I'd be able to go through a series on the book of Philippians. Number two is I believe that what we're gonna do in this series is not only it's a prophetic message to our people, it's gonna stir the affection of our house for the local church. So here's something I've realized. One of the things that happened during COVID, which I, there's many reasons why, I get it. Uh, there, there was trauma. We lost some people. There was, there was apathy that set in. There was complacency that set in because, right, we're at home. We got really comfortable with pajama church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I did too. I, I get it, right? It was, it was it's convenient. Um, there was hurt. There was pain, right? Because as crisis comes, character is revealed, there are more pastors that have fell, not here at Thrive, thank God, but pastors all over America, next level pastors, pastors who had it all. I, they have been falling like flies, family. Like my people. I can name you 11 people that I know personally that have either fell morally or have quit being a pastor because of mental capacity, of mental illness. In a year and a half, colleagues that I looked up to and friends of mine. And so what has happened? There has been a distrust now more than ever before in the last recent years, such a distrust, probably since the 80s, if I could be honest, um, since a lot of scandals happened in the 80s with pastors, a massive distrust with people and church leadership. And everyone has an opinion on what church leadership should do, which I get. Sometimes I think that's not healthy, right? A church past a pastor says one thing politically and another, everyone disagrees. A pastor says the other side politically, everyone else disagrees. And, and so what's happened, I'm not gonna get into the details, but what's happened is there has been now a chasm and a distrust with saints and the leadership of the saints, which are the elders of the church. That's how Paul talks about it, pastors and leaders. And what that has happened, not only with the distrust, but with apathy, with spiritual complacency, with the idea that I don't have to gather with people, with the idea that I don't have to be around people, with the idea that I've been isolated because COVID made me isolated. So you have all these issues, which has created a coldness of the heart for the local church. The problem with that is that Jesus loves the local church. It was his idea. He loves it, family. He loves it so much. And whether you go to the local church online, in person, I don't care. That's not what I'm talking about. But what has happened is, is as a whole, not here at Thrive, I'm not saying this for our people, but if this convicts you, go ahead, let it happen. Um, people don't wanna go to church anymore. They say in California, the average person goes to church, whether online or in person, they've done the study. So they've included online, just to be nice. Two Sundays every 10 weeks. And then we wonder why we're struggling with our spiritual life. Why our kids are struggling 
with cultural immorality. You try going to the gym two times every 10 weeks and see if you lose weight. You will stay fat. You, the spirit of gordito will come on your life. And if you're white in here, gordito means chubby. And I know that because I was a little Mexican kid and I was gordito. And, and, and I don't believe it's because people are busy. I get that. I get it. I love going on vacation. I love spending time with my family. It's okay if you need a miss. It's, it's, it's not the end of the world. But what has happened is, is the priority of loving the things that God loves has declined. And the truth is, is whether we like it or not, God loves his church and God loves the gathering of saints. And it is vital to the Holy Spirit that the saints gather together. So that way we would encourage, we would strengthen and we would declare the goodness of God. We do not come to church because we're bored. We do not come to church because we check off the religious check march. We, we come to church because what you have on your life and what you have on your life and what we have on our life together, when we corporately go after Jesus, God begins to do supernatural things. This was God's design to reach cities and nations. It was through people. It's people gathered together in groups and small settings on Sundays, whatever he wants to do. So this book... This book, man, Philippians, whoo, Paul shares so much in this book. He loves this church. He loves Philippi. So I'm sitting in this room where I'm going on my prayer walks, and I'm reading the book of Philippians. Not, not to boast, but I have read this book almost every day, at least every week for the last two years. I have, I have devoured this thing. It has been the life source for me, this book. And what began to happen, and again, I'm not even lead pastor yet. I don't even know that's gonna happen. What began to happen is the Lord began to convict me because my heart started growing cold toward my church. And the Lord began to convict me and call me to love Thrive and to love the city of Lathrop, but particularly Thrive Church, the way Paul loved his church in Philippi. There's language that Paul uses. We're gonna read it in a minute. He talks about how I hold you in my heart. He says that I desire you and my love and affection is for you. He says that he, he describes his church as, as my joy and my crown. That's like intense language, yo. That's like love letter stuff. This is how much Paul loved. Paul grasped a reality. He understood. Finally, by the time he passed, because he wrote this at the end of his life, closer to the end of his life, he realized, man, I love this church the way God loves his church. So what I believe this book is gonna do, I, I'm not gonna preach this so church attendance increases. That's shallow. I don't care about that. But what does need to happen across the board is a renewed passion and love for the thing that Jesus loves. And one of those is his people gathering together. Is his people being with one another, discipling one another, sharpening each other's irons, doing what only God can do through us together, not individually. And then number three, I believe it's a biblical comparison to our cultural predicament. I don't know if you noticed, but it's crazy in California. It's wild out here. It's the wild west spiritually. We got all sorts of crazy things that people are saying okay that are not okay. 
We got all sorts of, you know, you know, I don't even need to go through them. You know. You, you know it's bad when they talk about it both on Fox and CNN. We got all sorts of craziness. Addiction like never before. You know, sexual immorality like never before. The, 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 the teaching of, 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 of false understandings and, 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 and idolatry and, and, and indoctrination of young people today. It's crazy. You have, you, have, you have a generation like Gen Z, people who are identified in their age of 11 to 21 that are not identified, that are 11 to 21, that, that my generation, millennials, 10 to 15% of us identified with, with sexual confusion, right? Identity confusion or, 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 or sexual identity confusion with homosexuality and everything, right? Just, I'm just using that, right? It's now 25 to 30%. Okay, most men today, 92% of them struggle with pornography and most of them believe that it's normal to do so, right? Marriage is, divorce is at an all-time high, right? Addiction is at an all-time high. Pastors, the ones who are supposed to be leading the charge are the ones that are getting arrested for all this craziness of stealing money and brokenness. We are dealing with a time and a season where it is tough to follow Jesus, that's all I'm saying. If you came in here and you struggle with things, I, I don't care, I love you, I'm so glad you're here. But the reality of it is this as well, is that it, we, would, we would be blinded, we would be naive to say that right now, there's some pretty crazy things happening spiritually. There's some stuff happening. And it seems like it all starts in California. I'm going to Virginia this week to a conference. And, uh, you know, they always ask me, so, so how bad is it? They, they think, like, it's so bad out here. I'm like, it's fine. They're, they ask me, like, do you have water? I'm like, yes, we have water. <laughs> Man. But it is. We, we just live in it. And family, can I tell you on a side note, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. Because as, if it gets darker, that means the light shines brighter. Come on now. I know that our church is here for a reason to reach people. So we're dealing with all this cultural stuff. So was the church of Philippi. Paul plants the church of Philippi. It's his first church he plants in Asia Minor and in Greece. Philippi is a small little town. It's about 15, 20,000 people. It's 20 miles from the ocean, but it is a central trade stop from everywhere else to Asia Minor and to Greece from Jerusalem in the Middle East. And so everyone has to go through Philippi. Everyone has to go through Philippi to get to everywhere else unless they go through the ocean. And it is this massively influential church. It's not the biggest church Paul planted, that's Ephesus. It's not the church that Paul gives the Mopal Pals, that's Corinthians, he had to write two letters. You know you're bad when you had to get two letters from Paul. It's not the biggest, it's not, but, but, but it is massively influential and it is the church that Paul uses the most loving, endearing language. And it's this small little town that God started a massive missions movement that reached all of Asia Minor, all of Greece. Because what was happening is Philippi was funding, the only church was funding the mission of Paul. It was funding the gospel to go all over the world, this little church in Philippi. And I just think 
That sounds a lot like Lathrop to me. 20,000 people. You got to go through us to get anywhere. To Sacramento, to San Jose, to San Francisco, to Fresno. We're right in the middle. There's not too many of us. But what can God do with a small group of people? And again, going through everything we went through in the last few years for, for COVID, right? A lot of spiritual bondage. A lot of emotional and mental bondage. A lot of in some ways, persecution, or at least it feels like that. Paul says, listen, church, I've gone through the same thing, and I want to let you know that you're going to make it, and you're going to be okay. Why? Because I've gone through the same thing too, and I've made it. And so Paul writes this letter to this small church in Philippi, this influential church, to encourage them, to strengthen them, and I believe that we can look at that as a model of what God is doing in our society today. Does that make sense? And so I titled the series, It's Not an Accident, because as we go through the book of Philippians, each week we're going to go through. So today we're going to go through chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. The next week we're going to go through 12 through 18. The next week, you know, whatever, whatever. We're going to go through it. And I believe that as we begin to go through it, we will begin to intricately understand the design that God has intended for our house through this book. And I believe that God would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds and encourage us. Does that make sense? Come on. I believe that's going to happen. I really do. I really do. So here's what we're going to do. I want to jump in. All right. I haven't even started the message, but don't worry. It's not going to be a long one. Some of you are like, what? Bro. I know. I, I know. I wear like a suit jacket and everything, but like, that's not okay. Right? Like, just because I look like a pastor don't mean I could keep you for like two hours. I promise I won't. Okay. What I want to do is I want to believe that today, what we're going to go through in the next few minutes, we're going to start this journey of walking through this book, and it's really going to help some people. Do me a favor. Stand your feet. Come on. We're going to read the word this morning. All right. Here we go. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And it says this. It says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, and in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this. Come on, verse six. I love it. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you, he'll bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Verse seven. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. You're all partakers with me of grace in my imprisonment, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. It's so good. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And then verse nine, this is what we're really gonna focus on today. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Jesus, I pray, as we jump in this series, you would speak and you would move. Thank you for everyone here and everyone watching and everyone listening online. Pray you'd help someone today. I pray, God, we would lean into you and we'd hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. And so Paul starts the letter off with, hey, Philippi, I love you. Oh, I'm so in love with you. 
And I don't know about you, but have you ever loved something? Not, not like your spouse or family member, but, but, but you love something. Some of you might have been your job. Some of you might have been a collection you have. I don't, I don't know. Paul is, 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 is so in love. And I, I just find that so, I didn't say this for service, but, I, but I, I find that so fascinating. Because when you come from a broken background like me, what tends to happen is you tend to lose the ability to love things purely. Because you tend to look at everything through the lens of brokenness and distrust. I remember praying in that corner over there, God, let me, let me love Thrive like how you love Thrive. Let me love Thrive like how Eric Baca loves Thrive. Let me love Thrive the way you love Thrive. Let me love Thrive the way like I love my wife. Not, not maybe in the same, I'm not saying to love it more. I'm just the intensity to purely love something. Paul is talking to his church and he's saying, oh, I love you, Philippi. Oh, I love I hold you in my heart. You, you make my prayers daily. He doesn't even have to work on it. It just, it just happened because he's always thinking about them. And then he says this. He says, and I know that what God started in you, he's going to bring it to completion. <sighs> because I know, this is what he's saying. I know that he's the author and finisher of your faith. I know that the God of the universe never stops what he starts. I know that God is the designer of all things and that he will work on you to the day he comes back. I know that there is a design, there is a purpose, there is a plan. It is not an accident that you're on this earth. It is not an accident that you're gathered together. It is not an accident that you are put together and I know that God will complete it. I know I'm not there with you. I know it seems difficult. I know there's things that are going on. But I know that God's got you. I know that God's got you. I know that God's going to hold you. I know that God's going to put it all together. I know God's going to form you. And he's going to work in you. And it will be completed. All the way up until Jesus returns. And then he says this. He says, and this is my prayer to you. Now, what I want you to understand is how good of a prayer do you have to pray that it makes it in the Bible? Like, come on, some of you pray, and let's be honest, you, you're not going to make it in the Bible. I'm not. Paul prays this prayer, and it is so fascinating to the heart of God that he allows him to write it in his book. Paul writes the letter. Led by the Holy Spirit. That's how the Bible's written. It was influenced by the Holy Spirit. Every word in that book is influenced by the Holy Spirit. And God found it fit that the prayer that Paul prayed for his church in Philippi every day to make it in the book. Paul says, I pray for you. And this is what I pray for. I pray that you would bound in love. I pray that you would grow in knowledge and discernment. I pray that you would learn to approve what's excellent so that way you would be pure and blameless so that way in the day of Christ you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's my prayer for you, church. That's what Paul says. And in the same manner, I would believe that, that that's what God's prayer is for us today, that that's what God's will would be for us as a house and the people that go to this house is that I pray that you would learn what it means to become like me. 
I pray that you would learn what it means to look like me. This is why we do baptisms. Baptisms was an expression of people becoming like Jesus. When they went down in that water, they said, the old me is dead. And when they came up from that water, the new me that looks like Jesus is alive. What's he doing? He's finishing the work. The Trinity is working on you. Did you know that? The Father thinks of you. The Son is speaking on behalf of the Father about you. The Holy Spirit is convicting you and moving you. You got the whole Trinity working on you and then you think you're not important. You would think that no one loves you and no one cares, yet God has meetings near a throne room about your life. And the plan is how are we gonna get him or how are we gonna get her from start to finish? How are we gonna make sure that the enemy's not gonna let anything happen to them? And even when the enemy gets in a little bit, how are we gonna work it to where it still works for good? Paul says, Philippi, I know you're going through it. I know you're going through some stuff. Philippi in this season is going through hardship and cultural persecution. Philippi is going through pastors and leaders trying to come in and teach them false doctrine. The people who planted Philippi with Paul are arguing. And Paul's in prison. Paul can't go. But Paul says, hold on, I'm gonna write a letter. And in this letter, I'm gonna give you some stuff to help you walk through because I believe that God is gonna bring to completion what he started. And the solution that he first offers is the place of prayer. Because prayer is the thing that moves heaven and hell more than anything else. And so I wanna show you this chart which I believe is, is, is a little bit of an image, a model of what Paul talks about. And so go ahead and throw it up. And so I call it spiritual, the spiritual formation cycle, spiritual formation cycle. I believe this is how God finishes the work in us. And so I'm just gonna go through each of them. Number one is in every prayer. Number two, that love may abound. Number three, knowledge and discernment. Number four, approval of excellence. Number five, pure and blameless. And number six, filled with righteousness. It's Paul's prayer in First. Philippians, in, in, in Philippians, sorry, chapter one, verses nine through 11. I believe this is a cycle we go through. I believe Paul wasn't just praying a cheesy prayer. I believe Paul was giving us steps on how God works in us. Does that make sense? And so I wanna kind of break down what they are and why they're important. And if you need to take a picture or take notes, I definitely would, because I believe this is gonna help some of you. And so I want you to catch this. So, so number one, spiritual formation. What do I mean by that? the spiritual life on the inside of you, how does it grow? How are you being formed? Because I don't know if you know this, but if you are not intentional with your spiritual life, then you will form into something that's by default and not on what you want it to form into. Does that make sense? If you try to lose weight, I just use that as an example, and you never go to the gym, and you eat ice cream every night, and you do whatever you wanna do, and there is no, because you have to understand, repetition is what causes formation. Right, right, right. Thoughts become decisions, decisions become habits, and habits turn into lifestyles. 
you are who you are in a lot of ways based on the way you think and all the intricacies that follow. So unless you are intentionally allowing yourself to be formed into the image of Jesus, can I tell you something that's very scary? You are not being formed into the image of Jesus. Church attendance is good, but that's not holistic spiritual formation. You need to have a plan. So Paul is saying, Philippi, this is my prayer. This is my prayer that, that, that God's gonna finish what he started. And in this prayer, that God is forming you to become into the image of his son, Jesus. To become into the image of who you were designed and called to be. And so I, I believe there's steps for us. There, there's steps and, and it's a cycle, we rotate. And so, so let me break a couple more things down. The first half are all internal, right? Prayer, understanding love, knowledge and discernment. I'm gonna break those down in a minute. The second half are external, approving what is excellent, being pure and blameless, having filled with fruit of righteousness. What, do I, what, do, what does that mean? Is that you have to understand that so many people today are trying to live their life, trying to do steps four, five, and six without allowing God to move in their hearts in steps one, two, and three. Because what we do is we try to change our behavior rather than let God transform our heart. Oh, that's so, oh my goodness. If I can only stop smoking weed, if I can only stop sleeping with that girl, if I can only stop doing drugs, if, if I can only stop stealing, if I can only stop lying, maybe, just maybe, I'll be a good person. And can I tell you that God did not die for you to become a good person? He doesn't care. What he died is that for you can life be transformed from the inside out. So you can love him so that way you would find life in Jesus. And that has to happen on the inside first. And then once that happens, all the outside stuff begins to work out. And so let me break down what each of these mean, at least for me, and I don't wanna be long. So number one, in every prayer, how does the spiritual formation cycle start or work? Number one, you gotta start with you and Jesus. You gotta start with you and Jesus. Come on, you, you, got, you gotta pray. What, what do I mean by pray? I'm not talking about asking God for all the things you want and sometimes asking God for your, the things you need. No, no, you, you gotta spend time with him. I think sometimes we come into Christianity thinking it's like an arranged marriage. No. God's like, I want to know you. And our heart should be in response, I want to know you too. And can I tell you that sometimes the only place that that happens is in the place of prayer. Listen, I believe it is my job to help what, what, Paul, what Jesus challenges Peter. He says, feed my sheep. I believe as a, as a pastor, as a leader, as a shepherd, it is my job to feed my sheep. But it's also my job to teach you how to make your own food. We've had way too many people in modern Christianity, not necessarily here at Thrive, but modern Christianity that are so tethered to the pastor on the stage that they don't know God. And the reason they don't know God is because they're only knowing him by association and not in real relationship. It's like when you were in high school and you thought you knew the quarterback, the star quarterback, because your friend was a friend of the star quarterback. That doesn't work, y'all. You gotta know Jesus. You gotta know Jesus. I can't give you my history with God. Only you can build your own history with God. And the way you and I do it is through worship and prayer. It's through the presence of God. 
you gotta learn to fall in love with the presence of God. You gotta learn to get in God's face, just you and him. And I, I love spending time with Jesus, I do, because I, I know him. I love what Paul says. He says in, in, in Philippians chapter one, verse three, leave it there, you don't have to go to the scripture, it's fine. It says, I thank my God. I wanna read it, I wanna make sure I knew it. I thank my God, my, 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 my God. Paul didn't say our God, even though that would be true. Paul makes a statement. He says, I thank my God in remembrance of you. What is he saying? He's saying, I know this man who died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I know him. He lives in me and I'm in him. And we have a relationship and I follow him. The cycle starts in the presence of God. If there's anything I would challenge you today, church, as your pastor, it would be this is would you fall in love with the presence of God again? Would you learn to prioritize the presence of God and not prostitute the presence of God based on what you need? Because whenever you go to Jesus to spend time with him because you need something, if that is the only time you are spending time with God, you are prostituting the presence of God because it is a transactional relationship. Did did, did you catch that? I don't need my wife to give me something every time I spend time with her. I spend time with her because I love her. Prayer is not a strategy. It's a love relationship between you and God. I don't have intimacy with my wife because I want kids. I do it because I love my wife. Does that make sense? And what we've done is we have treated prayer as something to be used instead of something to fall in love with. We've used it instead of allowing the presence of God to be at the very center of our lives. Number two, and it's from this place of prayer, Paul says that your love may abound. Because how many of you know when you start hanging out with someone, you start acting like someone? When I hang out with Pastor Juan, I start saying all the cool words he says. I'm just gonna be honest. Like, people think, they might think I'm the cool one here. I'm not, it's Pastor Juan. Pastor Juan's the cool one. He's like the certified cool one on the team. And you hang out with Pastor Juan for like a month, you're gonna start saying all these words. You did. My wife would laugh at me because I'd come home and she'd be like, you're hanging out with Juan today, huh? And I was like, no. Why'd you say that? Like, because you're saying words that he says that you would never say. I'm like, no, I thought of it myself, whatever. What is, Jesus, what, what is, God say, what, what is Paul saying to Philippi? Listen, start in the place of prayer and when you get around God, you will begin to understand the love of God in a real way. Your love needs to abound. Your love needs to grow. And here, here, I want you to understand this. You can only grow in love with God to the capacity that you understand how much God loves you. You can only love people to the capacity you understand how much God loves you. And so if there's a reason why in this season you're having trouble loving your enemies, loving your friends, loving your coworkers, loving your neighbors, is because you are deficient There is a deficit of how much understanding you know of how much God loves you. Because if you understood how much God loves you, you're able to love someone the same way God loves you. So Paul says, your love will start growing because you're you're with the one who is love, which is Jesus. Number three, that leads to knowledge and discernment. You begin to know who God is. You begin to understand who God is. Why? Because you're spending time with God. Paul is saying, when you spend time with God, you begin to understand the knowledge of God. When you spend time in his word, you begin to understand who he is. It's really simple. When you hang out with someone, you get to know who they are and they get to know who you are. And what begins to happen is you begin to understand what God loves and you begin to understand what God hates. 
Knowledge, who God is, and discernment, what God is and what he isn't in this world. So when that person asks you to do something, you get to discern if that's right or wrong, not based on your own moral ability, but because you understand who God really is and his word in your life. Which leads to number four. Then you have the grace to approve what is excellent. You get to say that's right and that's wrong. Not because it's your truth or your way, but it's because God showed you who he is and now you have knowledge and discernment. So now you can make the conscious decision to live in obedience and consecration. You're able to prove it's excellent. And from that place, you now live a life that is pure and blameless. Your heart's pure. I'm not saying you're perfect. I, I love that. Not perfection, but pure and blameless. That, that you're able to say, I, I, I didn't mean it. I, I lived a life holy. I've lived a life following God. I've lived a life trying to love people. It's what Jesus says. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is. It's what Jesus says in Matthew. Where he says, the blessed are the pure heart for they shall see God. It's what Paul talks about. Don't let people see an appearance of evil. You are living a life that is pure and blameless, which is the life that Jesus lived. Now you begin to form into the design, function, and image of being Christ because God is not interested in you becoming more like you. God is interested in you becoming more like him. That's a cultural lie. I just need to be myself. No, you don't. Yourself is awful. Let's just be honest. You're a mess. You need to become more like Jesus. And some of y'all, you know people that like, they need to be like Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father. They need like all of it. But right, you, you begin to come pure and blame it. My, my goal, my, the, the desire of my life is not to be a better pastor. The desire of my life is to become more like Christ. And in becoming like Christ, I become a better leader. I become a pastor. I become a father. I become a better son. I'm pure and blameless before him. Because why? God's forming me. And that leads to a life filled with righteousness. You now have fruit. Because there's plenty of Christians who look good on the outside, but they got no fruit. I've met them. Hopefully not here, but I met him. You ever have like that fruit bowl at the house? It's all a bunch of fake fruit. It looks real good until you take a bite into it. And there's nothing that will actually give life to someone. Is your life reproducing the life that Jesus gave to people? Church, Philippi, that's what Paul's saying. Are you being filled? Do you have the fruit of righteousness on your life? Do you? And if go back to the graphic, starts over again. Why? Because once you understand that your life is righteousness in him, because God, Christ makes you righteous in him, once he works on you, it leads you back to the place of worship and prayer. And you just start over and you just start over and you just start over. And what begins to happen? You begin to get formed into the image of Jesus and not formed in the patterns of this world. And that's how God begins to heal you. That's how God begins to set you free. That's how God begins to deliver you. That's how God begins to reveal the design and the purpose and the plan because he begins to form you. You begin to understand that he loves me more. And now I know more of him. And so now I can decide in this season of my life. And now I'm living pure. And now I'm righteous. I'm in right standing with God. That's what righteousness means. And when I'm in right standing with God, now I have access to the Father. And so I'm gonna go spend time with him again. And I'm gonna spend time with him again. And I'm gonna keep doing this and doing this until... I go to heaven because I'll never be like him. But one day, 
I will be in his face. I will, I will be with him forever. And the goal of my life is that I would look and sound like Jesus. And so my question is this, and I'm gonna close. What are we forming into? That's my question for you today. What are you forming into? Because if you're not forming into, if, if, okay, for those in the room that are Christians, you say you're a Christian, you say you love Jesus, you say that you have a relationship with God. If you do not say that, you are off the hook, okay? Um, for those in the room that would say that, my question to you is this, what are you forming into? And if you don't know, then you are forming into something that is defaulted and is probably secular instead of what Jesus has for your life. Are we forming into something that Paul would say, that church, that Philippi, that's what I want you to be. I want you to be pure and blameless. I want you to prove what's excellent. I want you to be, don't you love to abound more? I want, I want you to have knowledge and discernment in God. I want you to have a, a priority of the presence. I want you to have fruit where people see that you are in right standing with God. They can tell that you're in relationship with Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. It's a scary question, but it's only a question you can answer between you and the Lord. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.